Episode 54 of the Lost Highway Podcast this is the podcast of all things cosmic country. My name is Daniel Donato, and I really do thank you guys for sitting down and or moving your bodies while also attenuating your consciousness to this episode of all things cosmic country, which I'm still discovering what that is and probably am never going to stop. Um, two things. Well, one that I've read that is resonating with uh, how I'm feeling and then also a recent thought that I had from an encounter that I had with a friend of mine that was uh, really, really needed. Um, this is this, The first one is one I read. This one car- comes from one of my heroes, Car- Carl Jung. Um, novice in Carl Jung world, y'all. Very, very novice, but it's a fun world to be novice in. Um, this comes from the Red Book. Why are you looking around for help? Do you believe that help will come from outside? What is to come is created in you and from you. Hence, look into yourself. Do not compare. Do not measure. No other way is really yours. All other ways deceive and tempt you. You must fulfill the way that is in you. One more time. Do not compare. Do not measure. No other way is really yours. All other ways deceive and tempt you. You must fulfill the way that is in you. Easier said than done, Carl. Easier said than done, man. But I am certainly trying uh, all the time. And I want to let you know about a personal experience I just had that gave me permission to do this. Because I feel like this concept is one that you kind of have to give yourself permission to uh, be that wide and uh, be that filling in the shoes of potential that you've been given. Um, my friend was in town performing at, uh, I can say his name, he's, he's somewhat famous, Ed Bassmaster, and he was uh, he's performing over at Zany's, which is a local comedy club here in town, and the next day, he was playing on a Friday and Saturday, both, were, both of days of which were just immensely cosmic and strange. But we went and saw him Friday, and it was just like really good but then after the show he was telling me that the energy wasn't there and i'll believe him because he's a real pro and i was thinking that's interesting because i've been thinking a lot about this concept lately of not taking yourself seriously but taking the thing that you do very seriously and like his whole thing when you're on stage or when you're watching him on his clips is that you're not taking him seriously at all and that's what's so funny but he does he takes it really seriously in ways that are efficient and he takes it not seriously in ways that are efficient um and the next day we were sitting in there um their their lodging uh, before they went on on Saturday, and he showed me this bag of goodies that he bought from Dollar General, and um, he like showed me videos of him going to Dollar General and like messing with everybody. And I, I realized I was thinking, well, this guy, his whole thing with comedy is that he has these characters that he uh, portrays on stage and he essentially embodies these characters that are not him. And what I realized and what we got down to in discussion were a couple things. One of which is that you 
Whether you don't think you're a character, you are a character. And you are portraying a character. You tell yourself stories about yourself. You tell other people stories. You even consume the stories of others to help enhance the story that you tell yourself. So, and you can't stop that. It's not like, oh, I'm going to stop telling stories. I'm going to stop being myself. It's like, uh, perhaps in a sovereign and dutiful way, observe the stories that you're receiving, analyzing, and reacting from to the best degree that you can. And these are all things that I'm trying to do. I'm not telling you to do anything because I'm a dumbass. You don't want to listen to me. Um, another thing was always commit. Always commit to the character that you're in. Always commit to what you are doing and what you are saying. Find belief in the ways that you can and commit to what you are doing. Have faith in the fact that what you're doing, even if it's not working presently, that there can be and a sum that is quantitatively sound, or qualitatively, rather, um, at the end of some algorithm that you're engaging with. So this would be, you know, you're, so you're in an awkward simulation situation of life. It might work itself out, most likely. And you'll look back, and if there was any hardship, it might just go on the resume that you have and helps you tell your story to others. Um, another thing, too, was that he was coming up with all of these jokes and ideas for these different characters. He was showing me this bag of goodies. One was like a spray gun. One was like a, um, a, a bouquet of roses. And it was like eight or nine, literally eight or nine, almost a dozen other items that were just random. And what I realized was that if you can tell yourself the story that coming up with material and that being inspired and that the border between creation and living aren't all that different and that you can kind of always be on, especially if you're always in a character. Well, then it's like you can be inspired by anything. So how does, how does Ed go into Dollar General, find inspiration almost 10 plus times over, and then go on stage that very night and trust those jokes? That's a big deal to have an idea that day and try it on stage. Now, I didn't get to see the show, so I don't know how well it went over. Because um, I had an event to go to to help save the turtles of the Harpeth River, um, but it was like, man, there it is. A lot of a lot of things coming true before my eyes by simply observing one of my friends who happens to be quite a realized genius in what he does. Um, commit to character and don't take the character so seriously, but take the the work that the character is doing seriously. Realize and try to try to realize and be aware and be consistently attentive with the feeling as well that that's internally found of the stories that you're telling. Be aware of the fact you're telling stories and try to tell the, the best ones for you. Um, and look into yourself. Do not compare, do not measure. No other way is really yours. All other ways deceive and tempt you. You must fulfill the way that is in you. Carl Jung. Um, keep, that is really just keeping it cosmic in the best way. And uh, yeah, stay inspired. Stay patient, stay persistent, stay propositive. And I will see y'all down the road. Perhaps one of the most cosmic concepts I've ever come across are non-fungible tokens. Uh, you're telling me that anything and everything can be sold on the blockchain and have royalties in perpetuity to whichever creator is the uh, person who had minted said NFT. That is immensely uh, beautiful. And I, I, I'm, of course, I'm a tourist and a novice in the world of finance and transactions and, and just consumer relations in general. But I have to think that this will play a pretty relevant part in our objective 
reality as we move into the future. And so who, what, where, and how. And, and Ryan Maloney is a big who in this world. Uh, his work with Ariana Grande, another really huge uh, artist, as, as well as the art that he has created in the NFT space and not in the NFT space, having made books and, and illustrations and videos. Um, I have to summarize that he is a brilliant creative and industrious individual which are my favorite kinds of people so it was a privilege to sit down on the microphone talk about the process of minting nfts how he goes about it um his tiktok page which i love uh, so sincerely much uh, the creative process and a lot of good cosmic concepts specifically focused around non-fungible tokens ryan maloney's art i present to you no other than mr ryan maloney Thanks for doing this today, my friend. I'm very um, intrigued by the work that you're doing, particularly on TikTok. And um, that's the platform I became aware of you on. But it looks like you've been having a career for many, many years now. It's been very successful. I'm old, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 that's great. You got a couple of guitars back there too, huh? Oh, yeah. Um, those are, are more so just decorations. But I, if you want me to play like a G chord... I could rip a G, pretty solid G chord. It's the most solid chord of them all, ironically enough. Yeah, I've watched a lot of your videos and it's, I'm not even going to take that off the wall because it'll scare away your audience. <laughs> you know, my audience, it certainly does love uh, guitar, but they also love, you know, um, a lot of them are independent creators and there seems to be a huge uh, printing press 10X uh, revolution that's happening right now, specifically within the realm of NFTs. And you're making a lot of consumable uh, content that's very easily understood on like a rapid cognition level. Yep. We're, you know, I feel like a lot of people say today, like we have a short attention span, but it's, I think we actually just have a short consideration span for things, not attention. Yep. Uh, so, man, I would just love to kind of uh, talk to an expert or someone who really knows how to communicate the concept simply, rather. And you've also minted several of your own already and had great success with those. So, I have. Yeah, I'd love to hear about. You know, for people who don't know what an NFT is, uh, we could talk. We could start there, and then I have several more questions. Sure. Well, I wouldn't say I'm an expert, and probably the reason you understand what uh, the content that I make around it is because it's a complicated subject, and I'm almost creating the videos at the same time I'm learning about it. So I'm I'm sort of bringing in the information and saying, all right, how can I understand this? And then I'm going to create a video. I'm almost documenting it for myself, so I can like look back at that and see what it is. Um, but NFTs are non-fungible tokens. So they are digital assets that people are buying and selling and trading on the blockchain. So um, you, you're probably seeing a lot of press about, well, NFTs are just JPEGs that somebody can rip off. But it's it's becoming a lot more than that. It's it's sort of a new way to trade. A lot of the the hype right now is around art, but I think it's going to be a lot more than that. That's the thing too. So I've spoken with Josh Katz, you know, founder of Yellow Heart, which predominantly is is the bigger name in the space, the blue chip, if you will, yeah. uh, in terms of working with uh, acts that don't have the entrepreneurial um, leeway, honestly, because they have such big teams to go and mint their own NFTs like you do on an individual basis. So like Kings of Fion, i.e., um, you know, they just did something with Yellow Heart. And so I'm very interested to see where do you think it comes in into the music realm because we can get LeBron James uh, shots of him dunking and that's dope. And then people obviously had the biggest outlier of them all uh, following the pattern that Malcolm Gladwell always predicts, you know, is that yeah. we have 
outlier patterns of success. And then we have trickle down phenomena that follow with that large wave. Um, but specifically within the realm of the industry of music, blockchain is insane in terms of how fast people could start getting royalty payments and how we can, accounting is going to have to change at whole. But where do you see NFTs starting to manifest within the realm of independent creators in the music space? So I was talking with an artist that I used to make, well, over the last 10 years, I've made music videos for uh, like cartoon music videos. And when I learned about NFTs, I reached out to him and I said, you know, we might be able to take these cartoons that I made and break it apart and create some sort of multimedia NFT that has the characters, it has the album art, it has uh, stats about your song, you know, behind the behind the song. I love, I mean, as a, a non-musician, um, you know, looking at at musicians making music, I could watch YouTube videos of musicians in the studio like all day long. I don't know why. I just like to see that, like you know, Kanye West making beats. I'm like, wow, that's like, oh yeah, blows my mind. So I mean, basically anything that any little nugget that is a rare or um, unique moment could be turned into an NFT. So if you if you record a song and you make 18 different tracks, three of them were terrible but there's like some charm to it. One of those could be an NFT, but you could also, the way I've been thinking about it is taking the NBA top shots model, which are these like 3d cubes that sort of explode out and rotate around and show you different angles, shows you video images, stats. I sort of like, if you're a musician and you think of yourself, put yourself in that position of LeBron, like what would the coolest things you want people to see about you or hear? And try to mix it into like there's no rules with NFTs. They can be JPEGs, videos, music clips, full mm-hmm. songs. I, d- I don't know, you know, if there's going to be many full song NFTs, but I'm sure there will be. And it also like it brings up, um, you know, you brought up royalties. And the way I see it is right now you have a platform like Spotify giving out 0. 0.003 whatever per stream cents per stream. That's crazy. Absolutely insane. So you have a platform where all the advertising money goes into and then they divvy it out to the creators. What blockchain can do, and it's going to be controversial and there's going to be probably wars over this, (laughs) is you have a blockchain running down the middle. And if you think about a blockchain, for for NFTs, you need to learn about blockchain just a little bit. Like spend five minutes. Basically an Excel spreadsheet that to interact with it, you need to use smart contracts. Now, what you could have with a blockchain is an advertiser puts money directly into the blockchain, and then that blockchain will distribute that money to musicians, the creators, and also to the listeners. So it could create, I'm, it's sort of a hypothetical situation that I see, but I could see like n- having no platform in the middle other than a shell to interact with the blockchain. Right. It's taking out the middleman, which often, Internet has always done, uh, exactly. right? Amazon, uh, eBay, right? We we're just talking about other patterns of humanity and commerce and trading just starting to manifest and now going uh, straight into the realm of the music industry. Absolutely insane. What's so admirable about you is that you're embracing uh, the wild, wild west. That is the new way of uh, honing your IP and monetizing and creating value with a fan base. Um, a lot of people are finding a lot of negatives within the realm of the NFT, but you're systematically actually turning that that axis on its on its side and saying, "Here's let's dive into this. Let's find the systematic approach that's positive." 
Yeah, well, I, I, NFTs really attracted me because I'm just a creative addict who creates all day, every day. And I have like a hundred lines of characters that I've pitched toy companies or um, book ideas and card series. And then NFTs showed up out of nowhere. And I said, wait a minute, I don't need to go to these companies to pitch this stuff. And I put Beastly Ballers up on OpenSea and it was like, all right, I got my first sale. And I was like, come on, this is like too good to be true. And then I saw people start to trade it. And now with NFTs, there's the incentive factor. Every time you create something and it gets traded or sold, I get a commission on that for life. 10 to 20%, right? Is what I'm seeing. I set mine at 4%, but um, if it's 10 to 20%, I'm making a major mistake and I need to go back. It's 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 so unregulated right now. It's so embryonic. I mean, if you think about the, you know, the $60 million NFT sale, you know, people's getting 4% of that every time it's traded. So there's an incentive structure under there that lasts for life that it's going to attract a lot of people to NFTs. And I could see that being a big reason why NFTs will be around for a long time after the hype dies down. After the hype dies down. And you're also talking about a decentralized form of currency that is instantaneously uh, transferred over to the to the uh, uh, the intellectual property uh, owner, like that is absolutely insane. We're not talking about having to pay uh, transaction fees from Canada, right? And where you have a fifty dollar Canada transaction, you have a thirty six dollar uh, ro- royalty receivement USD, right? We're talking about uh, cryptocurrency, right? Absolutely fundamental. It's kind of hard to grasp this. I'm viewing it as like this is the ultimate light at the end of the tunnel that came from last year's total structural breakdown of society. I totally agree. Um, it was much, much needed. I mean, it's it's completely changed the way I've thought about everything that I create. And it's given sort of a purpose to what I create. Because every day I wake up and I have these characters and drawings in me, I'm, I need to make them no matter what. And now when I'm making them, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, there's going to be a collector who really appreciates this. Yes, there and then you meet your collectors on, you know, Twitter and your messaging and they're, um, you know, they're, it's, it's fun to see them trade with other people or ask me like, would this, could I trade this for an NBA top shot? And it's just, it's sort of like going back to the days when you're kids, like trading cards. It's like, but it's digitized and it's like just an easy system to use. Right. And the digital world is definitely as real as the uh, analog, low, re- high resolution world we participate in. You know, if you just look at the, the social status factor of having a blue check mark, um, it's unbelievable. You know, people will treat me differently having seen that I have a blue check mark on my TikTok. It's, <laughs> it's so absurd, but it's also not absurd because humans are humans, right? So you want to take it in as it, as it comes. But assets that are now blocked or that are now on the blockchain have a level of authenticity that no uh, human-based organization could ever back up. Like when we go to the Louvre or infamously here in Nashville, the Frist, which is an amazing um, you know, world-class art museum, we're just trusting that these are the real, that yeah. these are actual you know, assets. But with the blockchain, it is undeniably provable. Yeah, the way I think about it is before NFTs came around to me, everything was just floating. There's nothing connected. Wow. And like, you know, the pictures on your wall, you don't know what those are worth. But now with the blockchain, you see the value. You know, you see things being traded. And it's just, it connects things in in a way I've never seen before. So when you are making creations, um, you have a daily process that that you go through? Um, Yeah, it's basically, 
um, the first two hours of my day are creating something that I've either planned out at night um, or the most important thing I need to work on for that day, but it's mostly personal projects. Um, and then after a couple hours, I'll, I'll usually be burnt out. So I'll take like a 15 minute break. And then I have a bunch of client work. I have like a small creative agency and then my clients are usually emailing and that takes up most of my day. And then I'm back to planning at night or, uh, finishing up some of my personal projects, but it's my entire day is built around my, uh, creative energy levels. Basically, you know, I've like three or four big waves and you know breaks in, in between. Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, you hear about the first two hours of the day being the most, you know, lucrative window in terms of finding with the most creativity. Are you a pretty early riser? Yeah, I've I have two kids. Um I'll I'll mostly beat them beat them up, but I'm like a six AM riser. And so you're working by what, six fifteen? You're just up and at it. Um usually takes me do a little bit of yoga, do a little five, five, ten minutes of yoga, get the coffee ready. A little bit of breakfast, and then I like to be ready by seven a.m. And if I keep that consistent, that seven a.m. to nine a.m. window for you know years, it's your work just adds up like crazy, and you can. I'm usually chipping away at a few different projects in that window period, and then I, I say it just creatively compounds. And I have less of a, sort of less of a memory when I first wake up in the morning, so I can for like if if I dive right into doing something, it compounds without it being like a painful can. Uh, grind, if you will, like I'll almost not remember anything I create. Uh, it'll just kind of add up, and I'll have like books uh, made after like a year or so, or less than a year. You know, a couple months. How long do you spend on a on a on a particular creation before you before you say it's done? I'm sure it's different for each one, but are you like if you started that day, do you have to finish it that day, or because a lot of songwriters are that way? And some, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, it depends on the project. So I have a graphic novel I've been working on for probably two straight years. So that's my long-term creatively compounding project. Creative. And then I have Beastly Ballers, my NFTs, and I do I can basically do one a morning. Um, and I sort of don't let myself do any more than like a quota I give myself because I just sort of burn out. So And it, it also makes me want to do more if I say... All right, you can only work on this for 15 minutes and you get into it and you get into the zone and then the clock the, the alarm goes off, then it makes you want to keep going rather than oh, I have to make this for 30 minutes. It's it tricks your brain. It's like you know, the way I trick my kids to eat broccoli, like don't touch this piece of broccoli. I'm going to put it on your plate. Don't touch this. And it just completely tricks the way your mind works. Unbelievable when you set uh self-imposed parameters. Big time. It's unbelievable how it changes. It's wild. Yeah, it's like um, people say discipline equals freedom, but I think discipline equals creativity and urgency increases creativity. And it's uh, like, I can't work unless I have urgency and a deadline and like a cutoff or like a blank sheet of paper. Like I need, I need the pressure to be on, you know? I, I hate how that is the case. I'm the, very much so the same way. I hate how it's when the studio is, booked, you know, four weeks from now, and then all of my ideas come to me. And it's like, what was I doing all last year when we had a year to not do that, you know, and mm -hmm. you could have been percolating coming up with assets of knowledge, but... It's the, it's the cave people in us. Oh, how so? Well, I mean, I think if you think or pretend we're cave people in the cave and there's plenty of animals running around and the weather's perfect outside, like we're going to be a little bit lazier. Mm -hmm. 
But if there's three feet of snow on the ground and only one Buffalo walks by every three months, like you need to like at that moment, yes. you know, get yeah. to hunting. What, what it, obviously you're one of the earliest outspoken and uh, prolific in terms of content creation uh, minds in the NFT field, obviously not looking at people and not looking at large corporations that like NBA top shop, but just individual on an individualized basis. You're one of the most prolific uh, people that I can find within the space right now operating. Um, have you, do you think you found great success already so far within the NFT world and where do you see it going? Uh, say just a year from now. I think I've only dipped my toe into it and I'm way bigger than people. I know I've sold, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars of NFTs. Actually, I haven't. Um, people so weird. I know. <laughs> weird guy. Like it's all just a perfect storm. I know. It's, um, I don't, I don't think I found success in it at all. I think it's just a system that's going to help me, um, create more and, um, be rewarded more for the things that I like to create. It's like the beginning. I mean, the creator economy is already here, but I mean, you see it with, um, platforms like OnlyFans and Patreon. Right. Those are still centralized services. This is more of a decentralized creator economy that th this could be the beginning of it. I'm sure there's going to be, a lot of hype, a lot of you know negative press around NFTs. Um, but where I see it going in a year, I'd say it's it's going to be a little bit of a rocky road. And then uh, once people understand the system, the incentive system underneath, um, it's just going to be it's it's going to be second nature to to creators. Yes, indeed, right, absolutely. I mean, and how little understanding you need to understand the incentivized nature of the whole transaction. I mean, why would you want to have those Air Jordans over Air Jordans X when you want Air Jordans Y? Well, it's because Air Jordans Y has a variable that creates great perceived value. And it's an emotional transaction that you want to take part of. There's yeah. nothing new here. It's just that it's digitized. People are having a hard time understanding it. Um, can I not just take that JPEG and share it on Instagram? And it's like, yes, you can promote this asset for free. It's the most... Go do it. <laughs> Please do. Exactly. Yeah. You don't own it. You're yeah. not on that on that contract transaction, not at all, like zero, and that's where we're going to start seeing that exclusivity start to rise in value, huh? Absolutely, go try to sell that JPEG. Zero doesn't. Let's see. They will. They will quickly. They will quickly realize that they're wasting their time trying to take down something that it's just. You know, blockchain is going to be very, very powerful and and part of everybody's life, and there's. I mean, you're either arguing for the horse or the car at that point. Like, he, I can't see it. Once you mint your first NFT and you see somebody trade it, there's no, you've never felt a stronger pull to create better artwork to help that person out. It's like you're helping each other out. There's just incentive all the way through. It's just a win, win, win ecosystem. It's a, absolutely. It's kind of similar to the concept of quadratic investing. Right, but only with the variable being value. So Ryan gives person A a dollar and Daniel gives person A a dollar. Person A receives four dollars. Mm -hmm. They really they receive the square of the total amount invested. What's happening with NFTs between creators and consumers is that it's a value. Like the value of the creator inevitably rises by the square. And then also just through the exponential nature of the internet and how streetwear a hype beast kind of culture creates a value that's always 2x of what things cost. It's kind of the same thing. It's it's the same 
vibe that we saw on like all those fancy off-white Nikes that were going for $2,000 at Virgil. Yeah. Right? Just with digi- digitized uh, art assets. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So what would you say would be... The thing is, is that it seems like it's only top tier earning um, individuals right now that are buying NFTs. And I might be wrong, um, but I'm not seeing a lot of normal, like just nine to five people that make say, you know, $100,000 a year and under, or just a little bit of more uh, consuming NFTs at scale. Have you seen that? And if you haven't seen that, kind of how do you see that start to happen? It's an interesting question. Um, I actually, I don't know what my collectors make, but I assume they have extra money to to spare and invest them. I assume they're Bitcoin and altcoin buyers and they look at, they look at NFTs the same way they look at, at Bitcoin and altcoin. So um, they're probably cashing out of that to buy NFTs and looking at it in the same wallet and looking to profit um, right away. I've seen people buy uh, my beastly ballers and list it for many, many multiples right away. So it's, if they can sell for that, I'm, you know, I'm going to keep trying to make great artwork so it does sell for that. But um, I don't know, um, you know, for people, the nine to five people, it's sort of, they can look at this as, as another investment in Bitcoin or altcoin and put a small percentage of their portfolio into things they really care about and artists they really care about. It's like a way to invest deeper into um, one of their creators, or even if, if it's a musician, um, it's it's much more than just listening to their songs on Spotify. It's owning a piece of their career, and you're sort of a you're playing a part in that. You're going to profit off of it, and they're going to create better artwork because of it. Of course, they are right. So you've already found that it's enhanced your creative approach and execution within your um, regimen. Yeah. So the way I would work in the past is I would like actually I started making these. Yeah. A year ago on TikTok, and I'm and I just said, you know, I'm going to make this card series. I'm going to go to China, have them printed, have them put on a boat and shipped over here, and I'm going to sell them to a toy company or a Walgreens or a Walmart. And then I put it on hold because I hate to print stuff. It's just such a pain. I hate pages. It's like I'm, I don't want to cut down a million trees for these things, and it, it. So I put these on hold, and then when I found NFTs, I can just list these. And then people are investing in my art career and it's, it makes me want to make more of them. If I sold them to a toy company or Walgreens or Walmart, I might get a little lazy if these are sitting on shelves. There's nothing I can be doing to help the sale of those in the store because there's such a disconnect in the physical world. But in the digital world, when this is live, my next creation is helping this go up in value. So you know, I, I want to create more beastly ballers. I want to make them as good as I can. I'm starting to think about how can I make them more multimedia? What, like, what would people really appreciate? Like, what more value can I add to my next series that drives this value up and drives up the value of my next series? You know, absolutely. That's the unbelievable depth that the NFT approach allows us is that the art can actually be as immersive as the creator wants it to be. A great example is the musical prodigy, Jacob Collier. Um, he who's a Grammy nominated artist. I think he's my age. He's 26, super just young, crazy. He put up a logic session, which is a recording software 
um, of an entire song of his. And so he's marketing three of those off as NFTs and you can actually get in on the touchpad and go and see what all the faders nice. all the volumes are set at and unbelievable. And, and why I'm bringing that up uh, it kind of to go in tandem with the concept of transportation of goods, of shipping, printing in China, um, shipping from China, right? And having to um, you know uh, commit to that process of things. Unfortunately, I did see a, a quote from Seth Godin, uh, one of his blog posts about you know why NFTs are a trap. And I, I, I saw a piece of content on yours about why NFTs are a trap as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we're starting to get into the carbon emissions about having all this um, how much it costs to just simply have the um, to store Ethereum, uh, which is uh, it sounds like it's more than Bitcoin, surprisingly. Um, so, do, do you have any knowledge on what this does for the environment, and perhaps why it's actually better than just shipping and printing from China? Yeah, I wouldn't say it's better. I, I you know, I'm trying to see both sides of the argument. Um, yeah. One of the musicians that I work with, Asher Roth, he was actually the first musician to to put me in my place when I told him about the NFTs. Um, he said he was worried about, you know, uh, the ecological impact. So I started to look into it and it's, you know, the, the, the data on it is pretty crazy. And if you think about it, it's a decentralized system. So when you mint something to the blockchain, there's thousands of computers around the world proofing that. So that's a lot of power and energy being used. You can't really deny that at the same time, you can't really deny the, um, the technology of the blockchain either. So, right. you know, right. I don't know what the answer is. And as long as people know, like have it on their, have it on their mind that we need to do it the right way moving forward. I think there's going to be a lot of companies that, and I've seen some that escape my mind right now, but there's a lot of companies focusing on it. And I'm sure that it's going to be some sort of, you know, solar power solution for with over, over top of mining farms that would make this, um, a lot more efficient and, and eco-friendly. I hope, you know, cause it's, you know, we're not just minting NFTs for, for the money. It's, you know, it's because, you know, NFTs really work out because we just love to create and it's a great system that supports us. And, you know, we're not trying to tear down the, uh, right. You know, tear down the trees or the, the environment. So hopefully there's a, there's a way around it and a, and a solve for that. And people are working towards that. There is a shadow to everything. The Carl Jung concept is very real. Like there absolutely is a shadow to everything, but this just seems like such a more fortunate and uh, logical evolution that art um, is affected by with the, with the power that is the internet. The internet is so young. It's unbelievable mm-hmm. just to see this transformation that's already happening within. just feels like two weeks ago, NFTs were like nothing. And now here yeah. we Now they're just all you read about. Without a doubt, I mean, it, it was like one day it just like clicked in my head because I had heard about NFTs for years, and I'm like, no, nobody's trading kitties. Not yet. Yeah, and then I was like, wait a minute. I just like looked around my room of all this like physical artwork and characters and concepts. And I'm like, you know what? I got to try this out. And once you do it, I mean, I'd take if, if if anybody wants to feel the incentive to create something better, go mint something on the blockchain, and there'll be an incentive you haven't felt in a long time. You do have several instructional videos that are on TikTok, right? But since we have the listener's attention already on this podcast, your process is to go to the website opensea.io, which seems to be, in terms of independent creators, the the standard right now in terms of doing transactions on the blockchain with NFTs. Opensea.io is my go-to. And um, the first time I minted anything, I went to Rarible. Yep. And you're going to quickly learn about gas fees. 
So a gas fee is anytime you mint um, a piece of artwork or a digital asset to the blockchain, you have to pay a gas fee, which is um, interacting with the Ethereum blockchain. And Ethereum is extremely expensive right now. And it's based on the amount of traffic on the Ethereum blockchain. So the prices to the gas fees are pretty high to mint something right now. And on Rarible, you have to pay a gas fee every time you put it on the blockchain. So I've looked for a different solution. And OpenSea allows you to pay one gas fee at first. And then you can list as many items as you want. And then you don't pay a gas fee until that item sells. Mm -hmm. But be prepared for high gas fees. I mean, that's also, other than the, the ecological impact, the high gas fees and the speed of the Ethereum blockchain needs to be solved. So, you know, we are still very, we're still sort of in the dial up uh, era, if you will. Unbelievable how many people use that. Mark Cuban's used that. Gary Vee's used that. You've used that. Oh, really? Oh, I haven't heard them. So, institutional finance that, you know, a lot of people. <laughs> When they're in their 20s, they go to they move to New York to play guitar and they realize it doesn't work out for them. But then here they are 20 years later and they work at Goldman Sachs and I'm friends yeah. with them. <laughs> and so, you know, even the people in institutional finance who are not, uh, you know, on the bearish side of the NFT concept at whole, or they use the dial-up metaphor. And I very much so remember the dial-up times being just like, what the yeah. fuck is this? This is crazy. Right? But then here we are no time later and it's just integrated into our lives at immense speeds. Yeah. I don't, I think we'll eventually drop the NFT label. I think it's too confusing. I think Fungible it's, like, keyboard. it's not going to, it's going to, it's going to schlep off your average Joe in, in a half a second. Yeah. I don't see songs on Spotify being called MP3s. Like it's going to be, it's going to be different. We're going to drop it. It's just going to be, you know, it's going to be assumed that the creator get, has a commission for life. And then you can see all of these interactions on the blockchain for whatever it is. Right. So you've really taken the time, even though it is a basic concept, you've taken the time to understand this um, and be able to explain it simply, which is, you know, Albert Einstein's definition of understanding something. Um, so, um, yeah, maybe I'm just not that smart. So I, it needs to be very simple for me. Spoken <laughs> humbly, like a true artistic leader, <laughs> man. Very great. Uh, Absolutely. Your, your intelligence is, and the way you incorporate your kind of a, like sadistic comedy into your content is so funny. Are you overthinking these things when, when you, cause it, it's also apparent in your art. Like I follow all the art that you're putting out and I see it all the beastly ballers. And there is this kind of tinge of like, a, your art makes more sense now that I'm able to speak with you. Mm -hmm. Such a beautiful oh, really? that I love to see within within artists. It's always weird where it's like I listen to their song and then I meet them and I'm like, is this you really? <laughs> there's a there's a real transparency there. And uh, so when you're making this content and you're even with Beastly Ballers, you know, are you really overthinking things or is it more just stream of consciousness? So there's a difference between like my TikToks. Sometimes I'll incorporate a little bit of like comedy and stuff into it, but it's it's really spur of the moment. Like it's very hard to plan out a TikTok because then you're not going to, it's just going to seem forced. Um, yes. I don't know. It's, it, I like TikTok because it, it's just spur of the moment. It's sort of a documentation of your day and you just like put a little bit of a spin on it. Um, with Beastly Ballers and my drawing videos, like when I'm making them, there's a little bit of like a showman, showmanship and a little bit of attitude I put into it. Um, but the drawings themselves, uh, I let them come from sort of nowhere. Like um, when I go to start a drawing, I don't know what it's going to be. And um, I'm sort of fighting it. I'm thinking to myself, oh, I don't feel like drawing today. And then um, 45 minutes later, I'm just like zoned out and I, I have a 
a drawing. So fast comes fast. Yeah. That's absolutely insane. You know, that's the Stephen Pressfield is you got to face that resistance every day. Oh yeah. I, I sort of, I look for that resistance every day. Like, you know, what am I afraid of doing today? Like, Oh, going on a podcast. All right. That's what I have to do. Like, that's it. Like that's, you know, it'll age you and stress you out, but it's like, then it gets you over those things very quickly. And it's like, just like going to the gym, like sucks at first, but you know, six weeks later when you're flowing and just getting tons of results, it's like well worth it. Wow. That's so in regards to the open sea endeavor, are you scheduling out a quantity versus quality, um, duality, uh, Within within putting content or, or NFTs, I don't know if you would say NFTs are content. I guess they're, they're it's content that you monetize. It's hard to say. Hmm. The thing that TikTok, I love symbols. Like I think many things are symbols that are archetypes and are memes of repeated episodes of human history. Yeah, uh, NFTs hundred percent are. NFTs hundred percent are. Um, quantity over quality seems to be what the TikTok symbol is. Like it is a quantity game. Mm-hmm. Right. And so are, are you seeing that NFTs are a quantity game? I think of them differently. I think quantity is an attention game or quantity is for the attention game. And NFTs are more of a store. So you want a solid packaged good that you can be proud to buy and that you look for. So with BC Ballers, I sort of got lucky that I had the brand name and the characters and sort of a, I thought of them as more of a garbage pail kids type series. So it was ready to go. I've posted my other artwork on there and it hasn't sold because it's not packaged together. But I don't think of NFTs as a quantity game. You can do that, but I think it will... It's a little bit different when it comes content. It, it's just... It's more of knowledge transfer. And I think NFTs are more about um, like transferring value, like, like actual currency. So um, I like to think of make your NFTs as nice as possible. Take as much time as on, or take as much time as you need to, because I think people will value that. You know, they they appreciate that extra, that extra effort and that extra work. But TikTok, quantity, it's algorithm, it's hashtags, it's writing. I mean, I just caught the wave of the NFTs, so you know, I'm in the hashtags of NFTs, and I'm probably all up on your feed because of it, because I just, I you know, I consciously thought, wow, I like this. Other people are into this. I'm going to go hard on this for a couple of weeks, and then. It you know you're riding the wave. It, the wave will die down, but quantity is your friend when it comes to um, platforms that you know are trying to capture people's attention. And NFTs are more about what's your product, you know? Right, right. And each artist has a different duration that they participate with in in terms of you know starting and finalizing any piece of a product. Mm-hmm. Uh, seems like for you, you definitely have it down to a streamlined process where you can pretty much do a beastly baller in a day, in a morning. Yep. Um, but I'm not going to release them until I have a package of 24 new ones. And then I'm going to break them apart by which one's rare, um, ultra rare, super rare. What and the, the gradient of where of rareness. Yeah. So you need to create that scarcity and it's kind of fun because you're, you're sort of making it up, but okay. you know, you just, you know, I just tell myself, all right, I'll never draw this character again. So whoever buys this, you know, that's it. And uh, I made some mistakes listing my first Beastly Ballers. Somebody messaged me over the weekend. They said, I thought this was a unique NFT, but I accidentally listed it twice. So now I have to like, you have to play customer service and, you know, make sure 
and keep them happy. So I'm going to give them exclusive rights to a series two beastly baller before other people get it. Right. And there's nothing wrong with retaining the 20% of your, of your consumer base by giving them that personal transaction this early on in, in this endeavor. Right. That's, that would just, it's kind of a loss leader at that point, but it's perfect. That's how I think of my NFTs now. They're loss leaders. It's um, people are complaining like, man, don't you have to pay all this money to, for gas fees? And I'm like, I would pay whatever it took to have collectors, you know, singing my praises. It's what, how else am I going to get this out there? People don't understand the value of grassroots promotion, which is how Facebook became to be Facebook. Like yeah. we're talking about, again, repeated episodes of, of, of Humanity, right? It's an ongoing Netflix series called Humanity. And it's going to be the same director <laughs> each time, just different, different people, right? And it's unbelievable how these, these elements come and they happen throughout history in the same freaking way. I think about it that way too. And I think everybody thinks it's a new thing, but it's not. It's the same thing. Just a different noun. Yeah. Right? It's a different pronoun. It's a different proper noun, rather. And it's like unbelievable to see that happen, man. It's a little bit different. NFTs are sort of a little bit different because I don't know if you can name a time in history when an artist would get commission after selling something in a gallery or at an auction. Right? You would have to have had estate dealings at that point, right? So, you know, I'm a big fan of Jerry Garcia and... You know, he had these really infamous, specific modeled guitars that were for Jerry Garcia. And so whenever a company wants to go and take those um, specs and make their own uh, Jerry Garcia guitar, they have to deal with the Jerry Garcia estate, right? And that is going to take six months. And then they have to trust the manufacturers only making 500 of them, not... Yeah, there's that, op- that physical open air disconnect where there's a lot of dishonesty and, you know, who's keeping track of all this stuff. with the blockchain. Boom. It's like connected together. Yeah. What's that meme where it's that dude with the mustache who slaps the duct tape on the water spot? Oh man. I don't know. I, I'm sure I've seen it. I'm sure you have. It's that's to me is like all the bullshit <laughs> that independent creators have to deal with just blockchain. And then you're good. Like you're, you're solid. Like you, you're, and you're also getting a decentralized again, you know, through Ethereum, you're getting that money instantaneously. Yep. Is that correct? Is it in terms of the financial transaction, I've never done an NFT. We have lots of content that could be. I'm really interested to hear about what are like what do you experience with taxes? How fast do you get the ETH? What's the pro? Does it go into a hot wallet? Does it using Coinbase? Like the specific high resolution logistics of the receiving of the funds? Sure. So I can speak as a creator because I haven't purchased my first NFT, and I'm at the tipping point where I, now I'm like, oh, you know, I'm creating all these. Now I'm looking at other people's and I'm like, I kind of want to get one. Isn't that I will learn more and make more content about what happens on the buyer's end. From the creator's end, I use Coinbase. I transfer my uh, US dollars into Coinbase and buy Ethereum. And then there's MetaMask, which is a wallet on your browser, on your computer. So it's a little fox, a little icon that pops up anytime you interact with the Ethereum blockchain. You have to sign a contract. Um, That allows you to interact with OpenSea. So you can go on there and place bids or buy on OpenSea. And as soon as that is done, uh, the money transfers. Well, first, you got to fund, go from Coinbase to MetaMask, send your Ethereum from Coinbase to MetaMask. Your transaction rate that from, from Coinbase to MetaMask? Is there a what? Is there, a, um, is there an interest or are they taking a transaction fee? Yeah, any, there's going to be a gas fee anytime you, you um, wow, I see. interact with Ethereum blockchain. It's a pain. Like... These next, this maybe the next year is going to be pretty painful in terms of gas fees, but I'm sort of 
think of MetaMask as my second wallet and I'll just load it up. And then it's, I don't have to worry about, you know, transferring gas fees for, if you want to send 50 bucks, it's probably 50 bucks in gas fees right now. So it's, it's crazy. So, wow. But once you have MetaMask set up, you can go on OpenSea and buy anything like you're on Etsy. And as soon as you do, you'll get it to your wallet from the buyer's end. I don't know what that looks like in your wallet. Um, from the creator's end, I instantly get funds to MetaMask and it comes in WETH, with it, which is wrapped Ethereum, yep. um, which is like a separate section in your MetaMask wallet. Um, and that's basically it. And I've gotten... Um, commission- well. What's that? I see wrapped Bitcoin as well. So do you know what the term wrapped means? I don't. I assume it's just an easier... You know, it's it's either based on these platforms or it's just easier to transfer. I haven't really looked into what it is. Right. You know, I've sort of just, oh, I'm happy it's there. I'm not going to complain. Like, I don't, I don't want to transfer it. I don't want to touch it. You know, I don't want to pay gas fees on that. But um, so, and then commissions, when something is traded in the future, you don't have to do anything. It's automatically sent to your MetaMask address. Have and you- for taxes... The smart thing to do is just assume that you're going to pay taxes on any profit you make. So keep it simple. Keep it at that. You're paying capital gains tax wherever you live, you know, of course, on whatever you make. Right. Right. And that's a direct, um, you know, that's a direct earnings. It, it wouldn't qualify as portfolio uh, income mm-hmm. if, if it's royalty based, I'm assuming. I'm not sure. Okay. Interesting. What an interesting, unbelievable time. Absolutely astounding to see a pro like you who's worked, you know, like with Asher Roth and like Ariana. And it's, it's unbelievable to see someone who has as much clout as you do be this inspired by the revolution that's happening. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's kind of cool because I can, it bridges the gap um, between me and the music world because I see I've created so much content for them in terms of cartoon animation and motion graphics. And in order to like create NFTs, they, you know, I sort of have to work with them again. It's like a different, it's like, all right, everyone got bored with the animated music video. So now it's like this new wave of, you know, let's create some multimedia experience out of my music or out of the videos you've made. So are you, are you having any conversations? You know, we're obviously talking about, you work with blue chip artists pretty much, it seems like. Um, but are you having conversations with their team and, and, and talking about what some possible NFT releases could be specifically in regards to music content? Yeah, so I'm I'm definitely talking with Asher. Um, I don't know how we're going to release his NFT or if it's even going to go down yet. Um, but um, I'm talking, I'm advising a couple of teams that are building NFT platforms. And one is it's very early on, so I don't even know how much I can talk about. Sure. But they want to recreate a vinyl record store experience with NFTs. So it's going to be a platform where you can go on it and musicians can go on it. And it's going to be as simple as a platform like Canva to create your NFT. So you don't have to come to a, an animator like myself to create a multimedia experience. It's drag and drop, and it's going to allow you to build um, multimedia albums, you know, front cover, interior, your, your disc. It, it, it has a potential to bring back that era. I think there's a lot of work. To, that needs to go into it to figure it out and, and get it done right. But I was also talking with a manager who owns all the rights to like every YouTube viral video. He's like a big time manager in that space. And he needs a tool to quickly convert all of that content into multimedia NFTs. So there's a huge, a huge need in that space to build a platform to 
allow creators to quickly convert their content into NFTs. Because right now it's you got to sort of do it manually and then upload it to these platforms. But I I sort of want to build a tool that allows you to do it right on the website. You know. Oh wow! So you're talking about not needing to go to the marketplace that is OpenSea.io. Well, it would be it would be like an OpenSea.io, but just for music, just for an build your album and then list it as an NFT on this new platform. I think I see that there's a gap and a need, but the way that it's executed, it needs to be figured out for sure. Yeah, because obviously if the if the behavior to consume the exclusivity that were vinyl records was a thing at scale and still is a thing at scale, you know, uh, vinyl records, I think two years ago, uh, surpassed cassette and CD sales. Yeah. Um, right. So it's obviously still a chromosomal desire uh, for a lot of music consumers. Of course, it's going to manifest within the NFT uh, space probably in a really efficient way. Um, Hopefully. Wow, man, that's wild. So that's an idea that you came up with on your own or this was other, this were other minds that were thinking about the vinyl? No, this is, this is a development team that reached out to me. And after I made my multimedia post on TikTok, they reached out and we've been talking and they had the name for this, for this product. It's exactly what I was thinking about. It was going to be called Record Shop. And, um, but then the name changed. And as soon as the name changed, it was like, wow, this might be a thing. Um, wow, okay. Name's going to be Crypto Records. Holy shit. And as soon as I heard that name, I thought to myself, whoa, like the record store died. Everybody thought that was gone. But as soon as you hear that something is dead and gone, you can rest assured that it's going to be resurrected in the next like 20 or 30 years. So there's potential. It's super early, but something I'm excited about because it lets me... I love working with musicians. It just brings so many visuals to my head that like, it could be another way that I can work with musicians and create a tool to allow them to easily create really cool animated NFTs. So you would have a direct hand in terms of designing the platform or the interface rather that creators would go and interact with to create the, yep. the many variables of product. Yeah. Wow. That's- and that's one of the things I'm thinking about. What am I scared of? Oh, I'm scared of building that. So it's uh, <laughs> what I need to focus on, you know? You know, Carl Jung also said, where a man finds his fear, he finds his task. Such, it's just such a good theme. You can basically put that theme into any piece of art and people will like it. Oh, wow. It's like the theme of my graphic novel I'm working on right now. It's just... the, the content you've put around the graphic novel is, is fascinating to see how in-depth that it's going to be able to be because it's created it within the digital realm is very inspiring. Um, what something that I'm always interested in are like micro tasks versus like macro tasks. So like for me, for a guitar player um, and singer songwriter based out in Nashville, it would be like a micro task would be like, what content do I make today and uh, edit this podcast, et cetera. But my macro tasks are, you know, these large time horizon uh, based, you know, like a YouTube series or, or an album. And the, you know, you've had a lot of contention in a professional environment, a lot of success for many years doing this. How do you go ahead and approach, and this is digressing from the NFT concept, how do you go about organizing micro versus macro tasks so efficiently? Interesting. Because I, I think about my work the same exact way, but I've never... Th- you know, called it micro versus macro. I think about it in terms of like, I almost visualize it as these like large dots with the task in the center. And like the larger the dot, that's the thing I need to tackle today. Like, and I'm just like shifting things around like a beautiful mind type thing, like all these words and shapes in the air. Um, I, I do it on quota. I do it on like, you know, 
what the project is. I have large projects like making my graphic novel. I sort of think about it in terms of the products I make, documenting that. That's my content. That's my, what'd you call that? Was that your, your micro? Yep. So like the documentation and TikTok, that's all my micro. All the content creation is the micro that leads to the macro, which are my products and my services. Uh, and that's probably the best way I can explain it. Do you have a do you have a regular output that you try to set the bar to uphold yourself to in terms of macro and micro releases? I need this many macros a year, this many micros a week, kind of a thing. Or yeah, on Sundays I'll sort of say to myself, um, "Let's try to put out like five TikToks this week," and I almost never hit it. But it's usually just set a very high bar and be happy with a fifty percent hit rate. Such as I call it negotiating with reality because it's so true. There's all these low resolution ideas we have in our consciousness. And when you actually go to notice the grindstone it out into the world from mine to Spotify, there's going to be so many negotiations that happen along that chain. Um, Yeah. You can like get high off your own ideas. Like you can, you can, you can get high off planning, but then when you go to do it, it's like, ah, I got to, I'm going to go make tea now. Right. My fourth deep. The doing is the hard part, and that's the that's the part you really need to focus on and let the the micro like the con the documenting and the content creation around it be secondary. Doesn't matter. That's the thing where people are like they they feel like I don't like posting about myself. I don't like doing all this. It's like, well, you're attaching that narcissistic value to it. It's like nobody else cares. Yeah, put it out. Like just just do it. You have a great um, schedule with. Um, with TikTok and you don't take it too seriously, which means you're catering to the psyche of the consumer in a very conscientious way. Yeah. And you want to do that because you, you I, I mean, I can't even imagine if you're like acting on there and you have to like, and then you meet people and it's like, uh, all right. And um, yeah, just, you got to just have fun with that content creation around your serious work. Cause it's like, people will connect with that. One thing I want to ask you about, which is something that I always... When I see people who have really realized, distinct uh, art, and then it's consistent, i.e. it's vertical, just like a business will have a vertical. um, I always think about what's going on in that artist's brain to kind of realize that vision. And I have to think that empathy... Uh, for the end consumer is something that must be part of your your value center when when creating. So I wanted to ask you, and this probably be my one of my last questions, is how much does empathy in thinking about an end consumer go into the creation of your art? Let's start specifically with NFTs because that's that's more uh, specific to what Ryan does as the brand. And mm-hmm. then I'd love to hear about how you go about interacting with a with a uh, a client. I mean. You you nailed it. Empathy is almost one hundred percent what I focus on. When any if a client comes to me and they say I need I I need to create, you know, visuals around this idea to get it to my marketplace. All I'm thinking about is all right. I am that marketplace. I am that consumer sitting in that chair interacting with it. What would make me tell my friends about it? Like it's going to be an emotional story, and it's going to have some twists. It's going to have some thought. It's going to have, you know work on the details and you're going to got to be clever. You have to like keep it interesting and engaging, but I am always thinking every single one of my music videos, I'm thinking about the ending of that video. What is that emotional feeling at the ending of that video that I want people to feel? Right. And that's like my secret sauce that I just don't tell my clients or anybody that is watching me make my artwork is I'm just, I'm, I don't care what happens in between that point. Like I want that last moment, like, 
I want you to feel like, wow, I own this. Or like, that was amazing. Or like, you know, that's what I'm constantly working for. NFTs, services, whatever I'm doing. It's like, that's like, that's, that's the greatness to me. Like, cause that will make people talk about what I do and I get to do it more. Like just being good. I don't know. It's crazy. It's, it's, you know, so that's the Seth Godin concept is you got to have a hundred percent empathy in regards to what you're doing. And that requires some forethought because you're not just going to naturally arrive at an end consumer. You got to think about it. Right. That's insane. And, uh, so the conundrum that I arrived to is when you have the end, you have to assume that they had enough consideration for your product or content to get to the end. So how do you make that first three to five, 10 seconds a power punch? Do you have any approach to that? Ooh, I'm always, I think I'm always bad at like when I see those videos about people teaching you like how to make a hook for the beginning of your video, I'm like, I don't have a hook. I'm just documenting something that I really like to do. Um, but if, when it comes down to say a video, like an animated music video, I, the first thing I'm, I, I put the song in my head and I listen to it a thousand times and I'm thinking about that end moment. And once I lock down that end moment, I know I can reverse engineer that story to create the first moment. So if you look at the, the, I made a music video for Owl City called Unbelievable. And I sat there like slamming my head on the table for like a week, no ideas. And then I thought about it and it was like a nostalgic song. So I'm like, nostalgia? Well, there's like this VHS. That was nostalgic. So I turned the, a VHS tape into the character, into a char- cartoon character with the eyes and stuff. And then I thought about like, you used to get penalized when you went to return a VHS tape to the store and and you'd see like those, uh, like if you didn't rewind it. So there'd be those be kind rewind stickers. I'm like, well, that's the end of the video. He slaps a be kind rewind sticker on himself. So people think they might need to go back to watch the video again, but it's also nostalgic. And once I figured out that ending, I knew I could go back to the beginning and just do something sort of simple. VHS tape hops into a VHS player and then we go off in the music video world. Absolutely remarkable, man. And I, when I discovered you, I saw in your, in your TikTok bio that you worked on you know, all these artist videos. That was the first one I consumed was the Owl City video. Cool. It's marvelous, marvelously done. And it's funny to see how your artwork also has transcended with, with age, you know, because you did do that a little while ago, right? Yeah, yeah. That yeah. was five or six years ago. But it's still Ryan Maloney. That's the thing I love about the realm of creation that we participate in. It's like, you have to work out loud because you got to make money. Yeah. But also like, you're also allowed to change within your own domain, man. So I'm, a, I'm just a huge fan of what Awesome. You- I'm a fan of yours. I was listening to your music. I was running on the treadmill yesterday and I had like five minutes to go and I just wanted to quit. And I put your music on and I got, it got me into the zone. And I definitely hear the, uh, the, the Jerry Garcia. Thank Big time. Thank you. A little foster. I was thinking, wow, this is this is foster the people meets Jerry Garcia, a little bit of Tom Petty. Oh, that's beautiful. Thanks, Ryan. I love that. I that's love that. that's awesome, man. Well, maybe we, I would love to collaborate someday somehow down the line. That could be really fun. Yeah, I'll do I'll do a duet on on TikTok. I'd love some that. tunes. Yes, 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 indeed. That'd be super. That'd be fantastic. And man, as I learn more about NFTs, I you know I'd love to stay in touch and see if I have any examples I could bring to you. And, and man, I would love to just keep in touch and, and, and see what you uh, keep discovering in this space. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm, I, like I said, NFTs are going to go away, but I'm just like, you know, I'm an artist like you and it's just, we'll learn the system together and it'll just be part of, you know, of our artistic business. It really will. I can't, five years from now, we're going to be having a different story. Oh yeah. Right on.
We'll look back at this and it'll be like Katie Couric saying, what's the internet? The best meme of them all. Yeah, I want I want one of those moments. So this will, this will be good. Thanks for the time, Ryan. I appreciate it, my friend. No problem. Thanks for having me on. All right, I'll talk to you later. Talk to you soon. Bye. Right. Ryan Maloney, y'all. Thank you, Ryan, so much for, for lending your, your brilliance, your intelligence and your industriousness and your creativity and your um, thoughts on your experience on, on what you've already done. Uh, sharing those stories and also where you think things are going and no no one knows what's happening next that's why i'm always looking uh thank you the listener for listening to this this interesting conversation on nfts on something that will probably be pretty normal in our lives in the not too uh distant future uh 10 years ago does not seem all that far remember when you signed up for myspace boy uh thank you osiris media for hosting the lost highway podcast literally my favorite uh, podcast network in the cosmos uh no other home ain't no other place the lost highway would rather be and um thank you our friends over at topo chico for keeping us hydrated here um new cosmic country record out on september 30th not touring a whole bunch outside of the uh five nights in milwaukee uh, four nights in Milwaukee that we have with widespread panic. That's really our biggest thing that we have for the rest of the year. Aside from that, it's going to be staying at home and working on, um, working with the band, working on new music, and literally spending time on music. It's and it really is that simple. Um, and I realize that because I I've been really living with this concept here that I'm going to leave y'all with. Um, why are you looking around for help? Do you believe that will come from outside? No. What is to come is created in you and from you. Hence, look into yourself, do not compare, do not measure. No other way is really yours. All other ways deceive and tempt you. You must fulfill the way that is in you. You must fulfill the way that is in you. Mama sing, sing, that you got a jibu. <laughs> all right, I'll see y'all next episode. Osiris.